This is the Hog Kong Football Okay, we are back again. You are listening to Hong Kong's premier weekly English language local football podcast coming to you from Kowloon, Hong Kong in a week in which dreams climb up to third while Eastern still stuck in the dirt and the first trophy of the year goes to China or stays here. We have a lot to talk about again today, a rescheduled Premier League match, the first round of the FA Cup, the upcoming Guangdong Hong Kong Cup, transfer news and much, much more. My name as always is Tobias Tuzer and while James is still on holiday, I have invited a special guest to join me here, Mario, maybe among Hong Kong football fans best known for his work with Chi Lo Fan Group. Welcome to the show, Mario. Hello, hello, Toby. Hello, audience. Uh, you know, we just started into the new year, 2018. How did you celebrate the start into the new year? Uh, quite special. I do revision at home. Throughout midnight? Uh, I think so. Okay, you took a break for the countdown? Yeah. Okay, that, that, that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but you finished your revision now, right, I assume? Yeah. Okay, great. Of course, I would like to use this special opportunity to talk with you uh, about local football fan culture later in the show. But for now, let's start with the latest of football, the rescheduled Premier League game. On December 28th, Eastern and Dreams met each other at Mongkok Stadium for a rescheduled Premier League match, which should have happened in October, I guess. Wouldn't it have been for the typhoon that intervened? It was a kind of scrappy affair that saw Dreams bringing home a narrow 1-0 victory, the goal coming from Nacho Martinez in the 42nd minute. Manuel Blader also had the chance to equalize for Eastern, but only hit the post and the rest of the day was not that spectacular, to be honest. Some things that are still noteworthy, though, Eastern were still without Yap Hong Fai, so it was again 40-year-old goalkeeper Ho Kwok Chun who replaced him in goal. Maybe he's approaching the peak of his career, what do you think? Uh, maybe that's his final show, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe his final season. But now that he gets so much playing time, maybe he is extending again his contract. Another thing I noticed is that Eastern were already without Cho Tae-kun, um, the South Korean defender. In fact, it appears that Cho would depart the team very soon. Just a few days ago, Japanese media reported that a Japanese defender had signed a contract with Eastern, 35-year-old Yusuke Igawa from Kawasaki Frontale. So I guess it's fair to assume that he will also replace Cho in the back. The result means that Dreams climbed up to third in the league by the end of 2017, even ahead of Taipo. Who would have thought that at the beginning of the season, a new team with a relatively low budget, a lot of young players. What is your impression of Dreams so far this season? Their playing style is very good, uh, short passing, and that's incredible. And it also seems that they do a lot of marketing work. They try to position themselves in a kind of not taking themselves too seriously way. I think that's quite appealing. Yeah, I think that's a good change for the marketing strategy of the local football clubs. Did you see their, their latest video? Yes, I did. Interesting, right? Yeah, very hilarious. So basically what they did is in order to promote the FA Cup, they made a short preview of the players basically making fun of an expected low turnout at games. So they were, 
I think walking out at the Shekip May football ground and then pretending that there are a lot of audience, but there's just a cleaner standing on the stands and telling them to shut up. Um, <laughs> maybe the players are a fans of Stephen Chow, it appears. Yeah, I think uh, the style is quite lookalike. Yeah, and, and their style is like is like the video of Chisino, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so this this is why I'm glad that you are here today because we will talk more about Chisino and their approach to football. Uh, a little bit later. Now, we are just finishing up um, the rest of the football that happened in the last days of 2017 because these were actually finished with the first round of the FA Cup. On Saturday, December 30th, Yun Long beat R&F 4-0 with a great show from the Yun Long attack. The goals were coming from Walter Suarez, Everton Camargo, Tikao and Yu Ho Ming. This means that Yun Long will now face Salvan in the FA Cup quarterfinal in another Battle of the Buses on April 7th, 2018. Sun Bus vs. Kwon Chung. Always exciting. One day later on New Year's Eve, then two newcomers battled it out at Bangkok Stadium, Lee Man and Dreams. And there were maybe not too many expectations for the match ahead of it, but especially the first half was great to watch. I was there at the stadium, uh, quite entertaining, lots of goals, lots of defending mistakes. So all in all, really entertaining to watch. Dreams took the lead in the 18th minute with a goal by Lee Kajun, but this only seemed to have woken up Lee Mannschaft because this soon started with a great comeback. Dennis Lima with the equalizer in the 39th minute. And just two minutes later, Se Victor with the lead for Lee Mann, 2-1. And then the decisive goal came from Stefan Pereira, the former Yun Long striker in the 57th minute. Also, Jordi Torres came back from the bench late on in the game. He was out for quite a few weeks due to an injury. Um, yeah, but it's good to see him back. This means that Lehmann will face Kitschi in the FA Cup quarterfinals on April 8th. It will be interesting to see because uh, at the moment Lehmann is very much relying on Jordi Taris and we are not sure yet if he will return to Kitschi or not. It could be because of the ACL qualifiers and even if he cannot play in the ACL, we still don't know about the exact regulations, uh, he might be an important addition for the league games and domestic games as well because they will have a lot of fixtures in the spring. So this was all about the football during the last days of 2017, but there's still much more to talk about and especially with my guest Mario and we will be back after a short break. The Hong Kong Football Podcast comes out every Wednesday. You can make sure you never miss our latest show by subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. So we have already now recorded more than 60 episodes of the Hong Kong Football Podcast, but actually we never really talked about one of the most interesting issues for me about Hong Kong football, and that is its football fan culture. A lot of people say that football fan culture in Hong Kong is non-existing, which I personally don't agree with. And I think my guest also maybe wouldn't agree with it, but we will ask um, him about this later. Um, so Mario is a member of Chisin Lo. It's a new fan group in Hong Kong, relatively new. And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the background of Chisin Lo, maybe also about what the name means in the first place. The name of Chisin Lo, that means uh, crazy guy in Cantonese. And which means that we are very hyper when we're watching the game. We will chant, we will dance, and we will like swear uh, in, in the 19th minute of the game. We officially found in November of 
2016. Our first match is the East Asian game. Right. It was hosted back then in Hong Kong Stadium, right? And yes. I think Hong Kong took on North Korea, Taiwan and Guam. Yeah. And they lost against North Korea in the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a quite memorable match. I think what Chase and Lola have been trying to do is like to add more atmosphere to the just the game experience in the stadium. Yes. And to make it in a way more competitive. And also the way how I heard or also felt it is to make it more hostile as well. But I think your approach to hostility is really just about the 90 minutes, if I'm correct, right? We made the hostility just in the game. But after the game, we are just back to normal. We are not hating any teams or... or, or, or or the away fans, we want we don't want to fight them. We just want to make the game more interesting. Now, before we talk more about um, local fan culture in more general terms, there are also a few very interesting elements that I've seen in the Chisinlo fan group. One of them is this green mascot. Yeah, we call it Lomo in Cantonese. All right. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Lomo and what it does in uh, the football stand? <laughs> <laughs> That's originally a sticker from the Golden Forum, the famous Golden Forum. <laughs> And one of our members just bought the door inside a game and the audience like it. And we want Lomo to be to be the official mascot in, in, in Hong Kong, but it, it doesn't work. <laughs> right. So but it still be, can become the unofficial mascot in a sense, right? <laughs> uh, I hope so, but not everything yeah. has to be official in the end. Yeah. Are you still selling the doll actually? We sold the doll last year and we we are planning to make a new batch of it in the future. Okay, great. Uh, I already have one, but you know, do you want to have the other one? I I think so, yes. <laughs> Probably we would have to adjust it to the new Hong Kong kit, right? I think the same. I think the same kit because oh, really? it, they didn't change. Well, well, if they change and then you make Yeah, the I will make the right? other one. Yeah, yeah. so you can force people to keep buying the same doll just in another kit, right? Uh, I won't say force. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is how all the football clubs work, right? Yeah. Every yeah. year they put out a new kit so that you have to buy it again. Damn yeah. it. And also, I think for the upcoming game, uh, we will talk about this later, uh, the Guangdong Hong Kong Cup. Yeah. You're also selling a towel, is it right? Yeah, we just designed it two months ago. Uh, do you remember Liverpool came to Hong Kong this summer? Right. And we just saw what, what their fans did. Yeah, they're just showing up the, the towers, the, the, the scarf before the game. And we want to do it in Hong Kong. So we, we just designed a new tower. We just discussed a lot between making towers or scarf. But uh, we think that the weather in Hong Kong is so hot. So we make the tower finally. Yeah, this is the funny thing. And it took me a while to understand the towel thing. But it, it's really true. Like... Whenever you're sitting with a scarf, and actually the, the Hong Kong FA merchandise, the original one was a, a scarf as well, right? They had yeah. one. And when you're really sitting there with a scarf inside the stadium in June with 30 degrees, it really is ridiculous. And so a yeah. towel actually makes sense because you keep sweating all the time. So it has kind of function as well. What's cool with this kind of scarf slash towel is that I think your format, it actually has the shape of a scarf. But yeah. It, it has material of a towel. Indeed. We just design it as a scarf but make it in towel. Right. So it's a, a fake scarf in a way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to have it? I already ordered four. So oh, really? Yeah. Thank uh, you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. And I mean, for all the listeners who want to order it, what, what would be the best way? I think you have a Facebook web page as well, right? Yeah, we have a Facebook page and we have the post right there. You can click up the link and fill in the Google form and that's okay. So what's your Facebook page? You can type it Bortoi Cici in, in, in Chinese and or Hong Kong Moment in English. Right, so you have like a kind of English nickname that is Hong Kong Moment. Right. Yeah, because cheesy no is is too crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's quite troublesome when you make some documents 
and just like some newspapers or or some university try to invite us to be a guest, and the name of Chisi No is too crazy. Yeah, I I understand the the rationale behind this because like some some of the elderly in Hong Kong will not accept this kind of name. But I'm still wearing very proudly my Chisi No T-shirt from time to time. Thank you. And enjoying the confused faces of the elderly behind me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe let's talk a bit more generally about Hong Kong football fan culture. So at the moment, I think the average league attendance is about roughly 900 to 1,000 people. But that usually means that you have some high attendance games which reach like 1,800 or 2,000 people and some very low attendance games, like 400 to 500 people. How do you see this now going? I know that Chiefs in Low is now more focusing on the national team games, like really trying to bundle all the forces there yes. um, that are existing in Hong Kong. What is like your objective or your goals and your own take on local fan culture when it comes to the league in the first place? Because in the end, the weekly experience of football, right, is is based on, on the local league. I think our responsibility is to promote the local league and we will make some something funny on our Facebook. We will talk about the hot topics, but I think that's all we can do because in different clubs, they have their fans club and we can do much about that because the stand of cheesy no is not supporting any one of the local club yet. right it's it's a kind of overall fan culture movement in a sense right that is not club based but more about developing hong kong football and supporting the hong kong national team yes we will do the best on the stand in the national team game but in the league games we will let the supporter group from different clubs to do the thing now, this is one of the things that I also notice, and actually I have to say that I'm often tweeting or posting some of the videos that Chisindo have been producing because they are, first of all, like really funny and kind of very ironic take on a lot of issues. I think one of your most popular videos ever was when you copied the unique moves of certain players in the Premier League, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you had like Zeta Kim yeah. looking at the mirror after his kickoff and all this kind of stuff. And Jared Lam. Right. Jared Lam Kangaroo and his, his kangaroo hop. And I think this was shared by a lot of players as well and really got a lot of attention in Hong Kong. Hmm. And then there were a couple of other hilarious videos. Um, one was the kind of fan banter ahead of the ACL games with Guangzhou Evergrande. And I mean, there were just a lot of things that also made people outside of Hong Kong notice what is happening here. And, and uh, I think it actually resonated a lot in other countries as well, which, which I do not even know about. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're trying to do is try to, to repackage the local football and make it become more interesting and more attractive. I just bought some of my friends who watched the league game, but they said, oh, that's quite boring because they always compare with the English Premier League. <laughs> and that's ridiculous. And what we want is to make the things more interesting on the stand because we, we can't do anything for the game, but we can make it better on the stand. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in the end, it really comes down to the match, the experience, I believe, in order to get people back into the stadium. Now, I think one other thing that's interesting, um, not, I'm not sure how much it relates to Chisin Low, but I know that some of the content also goes to there as well. But you have been traveling around a bit as well, right? And I know, I'm not sure if I should say this here on record, but I know that you're also regularly in Guangzhou to support the team there in the CSL. <laughs> yeah, I support RNF. <laughs> yeah, you support, right, the, the real RNF. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't Chinese, support the RNF right, in Hong Kong. Yeah. The Chinese Super League RNF who play in Yuesu Shan Stadium, a very, very beautiful stadium, by the way. Um, Thanks. With very nice colors now in green and yellow, which no, no, suits no, me very no. well. <laughs> But so what I wanted to ask you is you have been experiencing, for example, what is happening with Guangzhou R&F. And I think 
what's interesting about this club in particular is that it often had the reputation of being you know, a new club that just it's buying themselves into a new city. Um, but actually in the last few years, they have first impressed people by how well they are managed as a club. It's one of the few clubs that actually that doesn't actually make a loss. Mm. And also it seems in the community development and the way they, they deal with the fans, it seems to be a very, very positive mm. team. I think there is always comparison between Guangzhou Evergrande and Guangzhou RNF. And as a fan of RNF, we say Guangzhou Evergrande is a club in China. But Guangzhou RNF is a club in Guangzhou. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, oh, more me... localized. Yeah. <laughs> so I think some people would like to ask you then, um, so how is it as a, as a Hong Konger to support a team in Guangzhou? I think the reason is quite simple because we share the same culture because the Chinese in Hong Kong, we are usually based on the Cantonese culture and we all speak in Cantonese. Uh, when I go to US Osan, their stadium blockers are in Cantonese. That's part of the reason that I support the team. Right, but in a sense, and also it, it makes you follow the Chinese Super League as well. So what, what's your take on like the fan culture in the Chinese Super League at the moment? The first thing I want to say is that attendance is so high. More than 10,000 in almost every game. RNF is ranked at the, at the bottom, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, but still very good. Uh, compared to Hong Kong, I would say when you go inside to the stadium, you will find it exciting because when you see the cloud, but in Hong Kong, you see the empty seats. There's a bit upset about it. That's the major difference. I watched the Guangzhou Derby last season, which is in Tanker Stadium. And I found that the fans of Guangzhou Evergrande was so crazy that they have like more than 10 different supporters group, but they can share the same beat. We find it hard between TCNO and the power of Hong Kong. We just have two, but there are 10. I don't know how they arrange each other. Yeah, very professional. <laughs> yeah, I think so. They, they, they can actually practice in every week, but yeah, I think that's important. So that means that to some extent, being exposed to, for example, games in Chinese Super League can also give you inspiration and motivation in terms of fandom, fan culture. That Yeah, I think the fan culture in Hong Kong is also uh, learning from the, 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 the Cantonese football because some of our Cantonese beat are directly copied from Guangzhou Evergrande or Guangzhou Yatichun. And the local football culture right there are built earlier than in Hong Kong so we just learn from them now there's one question then that um, maybe some again maybe some of our listeners would like to ask if you have ever been to the stadium one thing that you notice in Hong Kong which I think is a bit strange is that probably 90% of the songs or chants are in English yeah I think that's too much because uh, you know the Cantonese song is quite unique you need to make the, the right tone when you feel in the Cantonese lyrics and we found it more easy in English but we are trying to, to have some more Cantonese chants yeah that's what we are working. But then, uh, why can Evergrande do it? Uh, the, the clubs in Guangzhou? Oh, the people right there is so amazing. They, they just fill in the, the lyrics with the right tongues. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how can they do that. Right, so they are more newbie than... More <laughs> <laughs> newbie. I, I won't say that. Oh, okay. Yeah, Hong Kong is, is the best. <laughs> just kidding. But I think actually now in recent games, um, Chi Sin Lo, they started to sing one Cantonese song as well during the game, which I think is extremely cool. It's from a cartoon, if I'm correct, right? Yes, a uh, Japanese cartoon, but we have the Cantonese song. Right, what, what's the name of the cartoon? Chokao Siu Zhang. I don't know his name in English. Yeah, I'm also not sure what's name, <laughs> but it's, it's about football, right? Yeah. And basically every kid or everyone who has grown up in Hong Kong in the 90s, yeah, 2000 yeah. years, they will know the cartoon and they will know the song. And so everyone basically is also able to join in. Yeah. Yes. Theoretically. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just saw some of the foreigners can sing the song. I don't know why. Yeah, but it's 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 a it's a very cool song, I believe, and hopefully we get more of this in the future. 
now it seems one of the big challenges in Hong Kong though is like how to really motivate people to join in, to sing, to chant, and really to participate, and maybe also compared to other places. Like how how you see it? Like why why is it so difficult in Hong Kong? I think the football culture in the other place is just deep in their mind. They just start everything automatically. But in Hong Kong, we just need to use a lot of effort to encouraging them. Uh, for example, we need a greeting before the game, and we just show them that the chance, and we will have some. Lyrics post on the internet, or maybe just print it out and and gave it to them. That can help because I think the people in Hong Kong is so shy. Most of the time, when they sit in in the fans area, they really want to sing and chant with us together. But uh, they are just shy. When we gave them some guides, uh, it would be easier for them to follow. That's what we do before every game. Right, and in a way, I mean, what's the difference probably to other places is that in Hong Kong, this kind of fan culture is like still in the making. I mean, in terms of the the number that you get at, at football games, you know, if you compare to the other big leagues, I mean, the attendance is usually bigger. This kind of fan culture has had more time to develop, given that Hong Kong has it's trying to come out of a recession of local football that has happened for a long time. Yes, we are just building up. Right, and this makes it so exciting in a way. I feel because you basically are part of the recreation and resurrection of Hong Kong football culture. And I think that you have also been invited for a very, very special trip recently that a lot of people never had the chance to experience, even in their lifetime. What was that? Uh, I went to Turkey in last October, and we watched the Turkish derby, which is Galatasaray versus Fenerbahce. Oh wow! Which stadium was it taking place? The Türk Telekom Stadium. Is that the one that is known for being the loudest stadium in the in world? In the world, yeah, one of the loudest in the world. Is it true? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I won't say loud. It's noisy, especially when they operate. Opponents to keep the ball, they will boo with all the audience, and you will find that uh, so noisy, and your ears will be damaged if you just hear this kind of sound every day. But the experience must be amazing, right? So amazing! You could never imagine that a stadium could be that noisy. Yeah, I cannot imagine. <laughs> I've been in Hong Kong for too long. <laughs> you, should, you should go there. <laughs> well, but I think for every listener who wants to know more about it, you also made some videos, and I think they are online on the Facebook. Yeah, page. in our Facebook page. She's in as well. So go there and I think there are like three or four videos, right? Uh, three in total. Three in total that shows the different parts of your experience. The football culture right there is not only inside the stadium because in, in the match day when we just go out with the Galatasaray shirt, uh, we, we just find that uh, a bit scary before because I just don't want to, to hit by, by someone. <laughs> also, when we went to the stadium by the Metro, oh, that's ridiculous. They're just tapping the wall in the train and yeah, just singing crazy. Again, like you cannot really imagine it unless you have seen it. So go and watch the videos on the Chisin Lo Facebook page. Um, just for the record, the only real true club in Istanbul is Besiktas. But <laughs> <laughs> what of the things that you have seen in Turkey during this trip, what what of the things you think could be applied for Hong Kong or could be useful for developing Hong Kong fan culture? I think the fan culture right there is quite unique, but we can still learn. For example, when the players are warming up, they will go to the fans area to greet the fans, and there is a specified chance for them. And also, there are lots of traditions before the game. Just like they will have a great tifo in every big games and a huge one, right? Like- yeah, huge, huge tifo, <laughs> mm. which was. Rocky in that night. That's pretty passionate when you, when you see that TIFO. And also they will have a scarf dance before the game. Everyone just shaking their scarf. That's crazy when you take a look from the opposite stance. Yeah, that's why we make the tower. We want right, to make right. the, the dance. Also, I think the building is good to apply in the local football, especially the, the Guangdong Hong Kong Cup. Right, we will talk about this. 
in a moment. Because when we talk about the fan culture, and I think the key idea is to to make the situation favorable to your home team and put the away team under pressure. And as I said before, when the opponents keep the possession and they will boo, that's quite noisy. And also, I think this is the best way to make the fans to open their mouth because everyone know how to boo. It's so simple, no lyrics. Especially Hong Kong fans know how to boo, I guess. But that's another topic altogether. <laughs> we don't get into this here. Toby, do you like people to swear on the stand? That's an interesting question. <laughs> I think generally swearing is okay as long as it be- doesn't become abusive towards like one particular player or has any kind of racist connotations. Then Yeah, you're right. What we want to do is to put in the swear inside the chance and we encourage the fans to swear. It's also a way to put the referee and the opponents under pressure. And I think swearing is a crucial part in Cantonese culture. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point, I think. I don't know if you realize that the swearing chants are the loudest in the stand. Yeah, no, I realized that like, I was very impressed by this extremely successful fuck you referee chant, yeah. which I think just came up, was it 2015 or 2016, where just people started it and it became extremely popular. And then, of course, I mean, my, my most favorite, it's not really a chant, but just my most favorite expression inside the Hong Kong football stadium is this long deal whenever something, you know, Bad happens, right? A missed shot and the whole stadium is dealing. And that, that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> really? Uh, it's quite controversial because we have a lot of criticism about please don't swear on the stand, but we, but we just don't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, this they have been trying as well in China, for example, right? the Chinese Super League for a while. Yeah, Chao. Right, where they try to tell the fans not to use this, but it's just no, no one cares. <laughs> But yeah, I think, I mean, this is generally a very, very interesting point with Hong Kong or just the Guangdong Cantonese culture where swearing is so embedded in everyday life. Yeah, we swear a lot in our daily life. Yeah, and not just the young people because this is the, the hypocritical thing about the criticism that you're talking about because for me personally, when I witness the games, it's often the old uncles that swear the most doing yeah. these games. <laughs> our point is there are a lot of empty seats inside the stadium. If you don't want to hear we swearing, you can sit somewhere else. Uh, the power of Hong Kong, they don't swear. And if you like the fan culture, you can sit right there. The existence of two supporters group is to let you to have choices between us. It's all about diversification, giving people different platforms, different opportunities to participate. And it's good to have some diversity there and, and fan cultures, fan clubs with different approaches to the same mm. subject. Because in the end, there's still the common cause, right? That unites these people. And this is to support the team. Okay, there's one more thing that we have to talk about in this podcast and this is the upcoming 40th edition of the Guangdong Hong Kong Cup on January 4th and January 7th 2018 and we'll talk about this just after this short break. So it's almost like a tradition now that the new year starts with the Guangdong Hong Kong Cup. This time it's the 40th edition. So far, Guangdong has won the cup 24 times and Hong Kong 15 times. The last win for Hong Kong already dates back to 2013. So it has been a few years for Hong Kong. And maybe it's about time to win this trophy back. Now, what's interesting about this Guangdong Hong Kong Cup in the first place is that Hong Kong is usually not competing with the A team, but more of a B team that often involves a lot of young players. Some of the players that are in the squad in goalkeeping, Zeka Wing from Dreams FC. Uh, we have as defenders, uh, Chui Wan Kit from Rangers, Cheng Chi Yong 
Fung Park Loan from Pegasus, then a bit older ones, Chak Ting Fung and Leung Kun Chung from Wufu Taipo. And uh, in the midfield, some fan favorites here, Li Ngai Hoi from Pegasus as well, who is a Kichi Loni, Michael Luck from Southern, Ngan Lok Fung from Liman. And then in attack, we have Yung Chun Sing from Taipo and Tommy Chak Yu Kwok. Tommy Chak. Yes. Uh, I'm a big fan of him. No quark, no party. Yeah, definitely. Do so you like him? I, I do like him. I think that he is a great player. Maybe now he even has the chance to make it to the national team now that Kim is gone. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Because Kim is more emphasized on the discipline of the players. He is a really good striker, but with the bad discipline, maybe that's the reason why he cannot go into the national team squad. Yeah, but it's again now a possibility for him to prove himself and really make a statement why he should be in the national team squad. Yeah, I think that's his final chance if he can't do well in this time, he will never go into the squad again. Now, what's particularly interesting, I think, about the Hong Kong team in the Guangdong Cup is that they play a bit of a different style than the A team, right? Yep. So if I remember correctly, actually, they played quite attractive football last year. Yeah, they? yeah, yeah. They play like Barcelona, right? We made a video that they have 50 passes in a row, Yeah, which is incredible. Yeah, it's especially incredible <laughs> for a Hong Kong national team to pull this off. But then last year, they eventually lost, I think, in a, in a very narrow defeat away, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. With the young players in our Hong Kong team and the opponents was some of the first team player in CSL and I think that's a good result last year. So what do you think about this year? Do, does Hong Kong again have a chance? For, yeah, definitely. I yeah? think so. Because I think there are some of the local players are really strong but they just lack of some platform to show themselves. I think that's the best platform to prove in the Grand Cup. And I think in this year there's a 50-50 game because we can't deny that the opponent's ability is higher than in Hong Kong but I think that's different because I think Guangdong is not a proper team but in Hong Kong we have more than 10 matches in every year and I think that makes a difference and with the nationalized players in the first team I think the players in B team want to prove themselves and they will put 100% of their effort on it and also we are in the middle of the season and in CSL they are in their off season now the condition will be a bit different yeah that's true and that's a very good point looking at the Guangdong selection squad any famous players there are two players one attacking midfielder is called Chen Zizhao he's a really good player uh, last season is the first time he played in the middle and which did a good job in RNF and the second is the striker in RNF called Shao Zi he's a striker in, in the China national team as well and he's quite tall and I think his height is a advantage versus the Hong Kong players Okay, so on the pitch, we could still maybe expect a kind of 50-50 chance. How about on the stands? What can you expect on the stands? <laughs> on the stands, I think the Hong Kong fans are definitely stronger than the Guangdong fans because they're so passionate in their club game, but not their representative team in, in their province. Yeah, I think we will do a better job than them. <laughs> Do you agree? Well, yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Well, luckily for everyone involved, uh, there's no national anthem being played this time. Uh, I think there is in the away game. In the away game, really? I think so. They played the national anthem last year. Okay. Are you yeah. going to the away game? Yeah, but I think no one will do anything. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Hong Kong fans are very, very rational. smart. Right? <laughs> Uh, I think there's a competition between the Cantonese football culture and we expect a lot of swearing on the stands uh, from both sides. And I hope you guys can join our fan song in song 105 and 104. Let's chant together to show the people in mainland China that Hong Kong have football culture. Because uh, some of my friends is from Guangzhou, they always say that uh, the fans in Hong Kong, the football in Hong Kong is rubbish. Yeah, I think that's the best way to prove it. I think we have the strongest away fan in this time in the 
7th of January. We, we have nearly 100 fans to Guangzhou. Wow, that's a lot. I'm not sure, but it's like 800 fans arranged by the government. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for your charge, and I heard there is a tour. By the Hong Kong government. By the Hong Kong government, because that is the 40th anniversary of the Guangdong Hong Kong Cup. Okay, so you have again a very, very similar scenario as at the Shenzhen game, where the proper fan clubs become diluted by other neutral fans who support both teams equally. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think we will sit together. They, well, they will sit in the VIP area, I think. I, I will not be sure about it. <laughs> they <laughs> might just put them in front of you. The last time they had assigned seats in Zhenzhen for everyone. Uh, hope they are not, not holding the national flag for the whole game. <laughs> well, <laughs> Just totally. like the fans mm -hmm. in, in, in versus Labour. Well, but it's certainly an exciting game. And are you going to Guangzhou? Yeah, definitely. I'm going. I think now you cannot really join anymore, right? You had to get the tickets arranged beforehand for any listener. Uh, if you really want to join us, you can contact us. We will try our best to arrange the tickets for you guys. But yeah, we just make it before. So, but in any case, um, definitely go to the home game on January 4th in Hong Kong Stadium. And it's not just the men's home game, also the women's will play at 5 p.m., right? Yes. So you get two matches for a row. for one ticket. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And it's a working day. So <laughs> if you have nothing to do at 5 p.m., definitely come to the stadium earlier. For the women's game, there's actually just one match that will decide the trophy. Yes. I'm afraid that the Hong Kong team got heavily beaten last year. Is it right? I think I so. <laughs> Well, I, I assume so. We don't know. But, yeah, but I think I remember that the Guangdong women's team is actually quite good. So it will be a tough game for the Hong Kong women. But it's good to see the women also joining this kind of trophy. And the Hong Kong women team without Chen Wai Ki this time. And yeah, it's, it's not favorable to, to our side. Yeah, that's right. Chen Wai Ki, who is currently playing in the Australian Women's League for yeah. Brisbane Roar. Yeah, she will be a great miss and it won't make it easier for Hong Kong in that game. But yeah, so in any case, go to the stadium, January 4th, Hong Kong Stadium and January 7th, I think it's the People's Provincial Stadium, if I'm correct, which is yes. right in the city center in USU district. City center, yeah. Um, so close to Beijing Lu, uh, uh, this, this martyr's, close martyr's to the monument. Close to this uh, metro station. Um, and kickoff is in the afternoon, I believe, right? Yeah. So you still make it back home on time. I will stay overnight. All right. But not everyone can afford this kind of holidays. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think that's all for this week. Um, the first episode of the Hong Kong Football Podcast in 2018. I think it's a great start into the new year. It's great that I didn't have to do it alone, but having the guest here, Mario, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks a lot. Hope you guys can join us in both games. See you in Hong Kong Stadium and Guangzhou. Yeah, we'll definitely be at Hong Kong Stadium, so see you there. Okay. For our listeners, I also expect you at Hong Kong Stadium at that day. I'm not even sure if there's a live broadcast. Um, probably there is. Should be in Field TV, I, I'm not sure. Anyway, we will keep you posted about this. To all of you, Happy New Year, and we hope it will be a great one for Hong Kong football. Yeah, that's the New Year wishes. Yes, exactly. So take care and bye-bye. Bye-bye. We like Hong Kong, that's a place for you.